June. Craig will be with us until late June to be very clear on that. What are the next steps? What are, who, do we, who do we bring in? How do we get a search committee out? We have a nursery undergoing construction right now. Excuse me, a children's center. Judy's in her car right now shaking her fist saying, I, I told you to get it right. A children's center under construction, probably a good chunk under the way. We also have updated mask updates and things and encouraging conversations with people. We have a, three big things in the fire right now, not in, in the midst of all the other things that go on in a normal church life. Thank you for your prayers. It's been a, it's been a uh, busy couple weeks in a good way and in a ministering way, but we appreciate your prayers. But this is what it's all about this morning right here, among other things. You're gathered here to worship the risen Lord Jesus Christ. He's risen. He's risen indeed every day, every week. That's what it's all about. Let's pray together. It's good to see you this morning outside. It's good to see you as well. And uh, we're going to pray and thank the Lord. We'll be back in First Thessalonians. Let's go before our Lord as we pray this morning. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come before you. Father, even the fact that you would hear our prayer is an answered prayer that has, is centuries in the making. For, Father, there are so many, and I, I think last night of uh, Muslims around the world, as they call it, the night of the hour of power. Father, where they pray during Ramadan that to the Christian uh, Jesus that if he's really real, that he would answer prayer. Oh, Lord, I know you answered many prayers last night. And, Father, that many, the, Muslim, uh, the Muslims around the world would come to know Jesus. Not religion, not, not, not organized religion, but relationship that comes through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So thank you for hearing our prayer. Father, we pray for Dr. Mike Fox at Nashua Baptist Church, one of our sister churches in our association. Father, we pray for them. I know he's about three or four years in his pastorate there. We thank you for his faithfulness to proclaim the gospel. We know that church has had some ups and downs over the years. But, Father, I, I, I thank you that you've blessed his ministry and, and that you've continued to see fruit of the gospel being preached and shared and through their kids' uh, ministries. And we just thank you for that. Continue to churn that in them. And, Father, we pray for our own uh, things here. We pray for Pastor Craig and his family as they look to go east to take care of family. Pray for the future of the position uh, in the worship leadership, Father. Thank you for the team that so faithfully fills in each week, and we bless them for that. Father, we pray for our children's center construction. We pray for all those and the details and the paint and the flooring that is yet to come and all the teachers. We look forward to filling that with kids in, in, in the coming weeks. Father, we pray for wisdom as we have had our first soft reopening, soft relaunch this morning inside uh, without social distancing masked up. Father, we pray for grace among ourselves and unity among ourselves to not be divisive over this, but to celebrate what you have done for us most of all. But Father, in the midst of conversations we may have about that, would you give us grace, would you give us peace, and may, may Satan not have a foothold in any of those conversations. Father, we also pray for our church at large. In the future, Father, what is it that you have for us? How can we build community better? Father, how can we grow together, not only through Bible study, but also through togetherness in life, Father, that you've called us to? Father, these are a lot of big questions, but how exciting it is. Father, these are, these are things that we pray through because we know they're exciting because we are excited that you are going to do more than we could ever ask or think. Thank you so much, and you did that at the cross. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And indeed, more than that, he was buried and he rose again. Father, we praise you. Give us wisdom now as we study. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I invite your attention to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And if you're watching with us online this morning, we are continuing through a series that we've been going through the last, I think we're on our week five. It's hard, hard to believe. Where in the world did April go? And how is it already mid-May, Right. So we are five weeks into this, and the purpose of this is we're calling it countercultural. 
We're talking about a church that was living in a time and a day and a place that they were, they were being countercultural. They were under heavy persecution. Paul writes to them as an, as, a, as, as an apostle, yes, as a pastor, yes, as a church planner, missionary, yes, but he writes to them unnamed at the start. He calls himself Paul, Brother Paul, you might even say. He loves this church perhaps more than others. You know, you always get asked as a parent, mother, someday, which kid do you love the most? And uh, you, you smile because you know there are days that it seems you love more than others depending on reactions, but at the end of the day, you love them all the same, don't you? And so it was with Paul. He loved what was here, but he also knew that what was ahead of him and what was before him was something that they needed help. And friends, I want to remind you this morning. I want to remind you this morning. I'm just going to get right into the, and I don't have a flowery introduction because we have a lot of text to cover. That The big idea today is simply this. You need to embrace what God has for you is suffering. Well, that's a great way to open up a Mother's Day sermon, right? Well, that's why we don't plan our sermons around the calendar usually because this is what happens. Friends, we're going to read it right out of the text. You can look at verse 3 and we'll read it in just a second. This is what Paul says. He says, for you yourselves know what you were destined for. What were you destined for? You were destined for affliction. Oh, but this is your best life now. This is your greatest triumph now. Friend, I want to remind you the Christian life is not easy, and it's never going to be easy. And if it is easy, then, uh, well, there's some questions you might ask about that. But I want you to know what they faced then is still applicable to what you face now, is that when you live for Christ, afflictions, hard times will come. And so this morning, I want to see how the work of the gospel is going to be played out in this. We'll look at six things as we go through verse 10. If you're able to stand inside this morning, will you join me as we read through 1 Thessalonians chapter 3? And verse 10, not hating what God has destined us for, and that is suffering. And that is something that we need to hear, something we need to be reminded of. It's something that we need to embrace, for this is the call of every Christian who's truly been saved by faith alone in Christ alone. Chapter 3, verse 1 of 1 Thessalonians. Paul says, therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and our God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith, that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we were destined for this. 4 verse 4, when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it came to pass and just as you know. 4 verse 5, this reason when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and the love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. 4 verse 8, now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for the sake before our God? As we pray, verse 10, most earnestly, night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I said this last week. I've had a discussion with our young men about this. Our church at Tower View struggles with community. And isn't it fitting that as we struggle through a topic that every church is going to struggle through, especially in a pandemic, that Paul gives us. I did not plan it this way. I did not think it this way. But Paul has brought us a topic about community in the midst of suffering. 
how do we as Christians live out the gospel, work out the gospel, and be connected through the gospel in a time like this? Don't you love that phrase? I look forward to seeing you face to face. If there's ever a pandemic phrase, that might be it. But you need to know this. Guys, our church does a lot of things well. But one thing that God has seen fit to bring to the forefront in this scripture is community. How do we live that out, see it out, as we embrace what God has for us in suffering? That's what I want to talk about today. We will get through what we get through. I'm not going to promise you we're going to finish it. You know me. I can auctioneer a sermon until we get it done. But at the end of the day, I want to make sure we get through this appropriately. So let's pray together as we do. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you so much as we come before you. Father, this church has so many great things, but Lord, we struggle. Perhaps, perhaps from my chair, I see the struggle of community, seeing our lives together intertwined as they are seen here in the Scripture. And Father, that's not a knock on our church, Lord. We all need and have blind sides of things, but I thank you that through this study, especially the last couple of weeks, as Paul has written so explicitly to them in the midst of their suffering, the need they have for community. Father, would you help us to learn, help us to grow, help us to embrace and deepen our relationships with you and with one another. Father, give us wisdom today. We pray all this today in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Well, I want you to see first off that the work of the gospel must be spread abroad, not just in one place. You see Paul kind of opening this up here. He says in verse 3, therefore, and he's hearkening back to chapter 2, verse 17, where he, he, he felt torn away from them. And this is how, I think if we're honest, if we are honest, this is how many of us have felt during the pandemic. If we could go back and do it all over again, I'm sure we would do things differently. But one thing, if you're really a Christian, that should grate you like cheese across the cheese grater before you put it on your pasta or whatever you do with it, or like they do at the Olive Garden, you know, you want some cheese, they roll their little thing, whatever. It should grate you when you are not around people who believe in Jesus Christ. He could bear it no longer. He could bear it no longer. He wanted to be around the people of God so much. He wanted to know how they were doing so much. His heart hurt for it. Now, I know we live in a day and an age where it's so easy. I mean, even last night, one of my good friends in a, in a, in a country in Europe who messaged me, he said, hey, I'm coming back for a couple weeks in the summer. I want to meet with you first. We got it set up. But even that, it's, it, it, I said, what time is it over there? He said, it's midnight over here, whatever time it was. I said, what are you doing up at midnight? Well, he was praying for Muslims to come to Christ. He was praying for that, that time in their country to do that. But you can do that with a click of a button. But in Paul's day, you couldn't just do that. When you didn't see someone, and some of y'all remember these days, you actually had to write a letter, or you had to wait for news, or the pigeon uh, would have to come and fly in your window to bring you the message through the homing devices, whatever it was. But you miss people. But the work of the gospel, first off, must be spread abroad, not just in one place. For the gospel to go forth, Paul knew he had to be one place and they had to be another. But friend, I want to ask you, I mean, do you, could you bear it no longer if you were no longer around the people at Tower View Baptist Church? Could you bear it no longer that you didn't get to see the brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ that God has called you to here in this fellowship? Now, if I'm honest, most of us, we would be okay to an extent. I'm good, you're good, give me my space, you got your space. But that's not how Paul operated. Paul wanted to be around people. And sometimes we see Paul as this great apostle, and he was, a great preacher, and he was. Paul could stand up and debate anybody, no matter if Fox News threw him a question debate or CNN or whatever, he would answer it, and he'd answer it clearly, and he just had that mind. But Paul was also human. Sometimes we put Paul on this pedestal up here, but Paul knew the gospel had to be spread, and to be spread, it had to be with other people going forth. 
And so the work of the gospel must be spread abroad. But friends, I want to ask you, has American culture dictated how you live out your faith? I mean, come on, let's be honest with it. Most churches today have more names on their roles than actually show up on a Sunday morning, right? Can we be honest about that? Where are all the people? We've bit this lie that you can live out your faith and be at home, never be around other Christians, never be accountable to other Christians, and go do your Lone Ranger Christianity thing, and you and Jesus got your own thing going, so don't touch me, that's my faith, leave me alone. I'm okay. That's not how Paul lived. Paul lived in community. And he did it as he was spreading the gospel. He said, I could bear it no longer. And he said, finally, uh, we, were being, we were willing to be left at Athens alone in verse 1 into verse 2. And we sent Timothy. Paul was willing to stay at other places for the gospel. But man, he longed to be around other brothers and sisters in Christ. And friends, I am grateful for the pandemic in one thing. It has stripped us bare at the church. We have been to the basic essentials. I love programs as much as you do, but I thought, bit the lie too that if I'm just involved in this program and that program and do this and do that, I'm in community. That's not how Paul saw it. Paul saw it that unless I really am living abroad, wherever I am with other Christians in community, they know me, I know them, then I'm not truly living out where the gospel needs to be. That's hard, isn't it? You're busy, I'm busy, you got a life, I got a life, you got a schedule, I got a schedule. But Paul says, look, if the gospel is going to go forth, if we're going to be countercultural, then we have to know that we ought to long and ache to see each other. Most of y'all were here last year when we had drive-in church for the first time. It's been over a year. It's been about 55 weeks to be exact. Nelson knows it because he reminds me almost every week, Sonia, because he's a numbers guy and I'm not. That's just how his brain works. You remember that feeling for after three weeks when you've been locked down in your homes and you drove in here for the first time and you started, we did waves, you remember that? We started waving to each other. That was exciting because you got to see people for the first time in a long time. But then you see them after a while and it's like seeing your family at Christmas. Hey, how you doing? Doing great. How you doing? Wonderful. Never been better. Oh, really? Don't lie. But you know that's what you say. But friends, for Paul, when the gospel was spread abroad in just one place, he embraced it because he knew the only way he could get through suffering was when they were together. So, Pastor, what's that look like? I'm just going to tell you right now, to see community and the need for community, you need to renew your mind every day in the Word of God. Start there. Because you're not going to see the need, what Paul saw the need for, and what we need to see the need for more and more in our churches today, unless we get back to the Word of God and see why we need other people in our lives who name the name of Christ. Then you're going to pray. And you're going to say, Lord, strip me of myself because, Lord, myself tells me that I don't need to be around these people. I don't have to be in community because I got my own thing going, looking at the camera for those people outside. If you're online, we are so grateful you're here, but I want to be very clear. We, this online ministry is going to reach you if you're not a Christian, but if you are a Tower View member and you're not in drive-in church and you're not at our church, you need to get here ASAP. Why am I being so harsh with my words today? I'm not trying to be. Part of the pandemic has taught us that we need to modify how we do things, and that's true. We have adapted and dealt in church. I want to thank you for that. But we need each other because this world is against Christ. It's never going to be for Christ, and the only way we stay together in Christ is if we are together for Christ. Do you get that? Can't do that online. Well, Pastor, you're the one that set it up. I did. 
doesn't mean it's sinful. A TV is not sinful if it's not on the right, wrong things necessarily. Your car is not sinful unless you go and like, I don't know, whatever you do sinfully with the car. But you know what I'm saying. If, you, if you've been speeding, you've just been convicted by the Holy Spirit. You, if, it, if you can't say out, you say amen is what one famous preacher says, but you get the point. Friends, we have to be in community, and it starts remembering that we are in this together. Look at Paul. Look what he said here. Are we willing to do what he said? And so, yes, there are times. Look at verse 2. There are times when we spread the gospel abroad, not just in one place. We send people out. He says in verse 2, and I sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker, to establish you in the faith. Look, there's a time and a place where we send people out. Praise God for that. We are sending, in some sense, Pastor Craig out and his family in, in, in a sense that he's going to another church, not to lead, but to, to worship, to take care of his parents. But friends, there's a time and a place to send people out, and that's what we're called to do. But it's hard to send people out if you're not here. I'm so grateful that this church has a focus on getting the gospel out. We have one of our young men is going overseas very soon. He, you all know who he is. That we have, we have several young people who've gone overseas, and some are still serving overseas. Thank you for that. But you're also sent in your community right here in Kansas City. Your workplace, your family, your neighborhood, that is your mission field. You may never step foot in, in, in Calcutta. You may never step foot in I don't, wherever, Brazil, wherever you go. But God has called you here. And when we're in community together, we know each other so well that we can look at a person's life and say, have you ever considered that God may be calling you to go to this people or go to that people? But also, it's not just foreign missions. In community, we can be like Paul and say, look, ha have you shared the gospel this week? I mean, have you really shared the gospel with someone in your life? Because that's what it's all about. I'm going to pick on Lane for a second. Lane this was telling us in the coffee room today, he's, he's working out at the gym. You know Lane, he doesn't need to work out. He's got enough muscle for the rest of us. But he's working out because he's met a young, man, a young person who he's witnessing to with the gospel. And I point that out to say, wherever you are, wherever God has sent you, be faithful. But you're not going to see the need for that because you're not going to see the need for community. You're not going to see the need for your suffering in the midst of community unless you're focused on that thing. Church is not about programs. It's not about numbers. It's about raising people up to get out there with the gospel and see people come to Christ. Amen? That's what it's about. And they sent Timothy. Do you know the words he said here? His co-laborer? Wouldn't it be nice to write on your resume? Well, I'm Timothy, co-laborer of Paul the Apostle. What a resume builder that would have been. But he went for one purpose, to exhort them in their faith. Look at verse 3. That no one be moved by these afflictions. There are times in our community where we need each other so much that we need to send each other to each other's places, not only with the gospel, but also that we would have people know that it's okay to know that it's okay to suffer. If you're a Christian, this is your lot in life. I'm still on point number one, by the way. I told you this would take a while. But you know this. He was sent out to tell them, to exhort them in their faith. What was he telling them? That no one be moved. Christian, you are going to face hard times when you stand for Jesus Christ. Romans tells us that no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors, for I'm sure that neither life nor death or angels or rulers or things present or things to come, nor powers or height nor depth or anything in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. You're secure in Christ. But when hard times come, the first thing we do is we go insular. The first thing we do is we try to preserve self. 
The first thing we do is we try to wrap our arms around us and our interests and everything we hold dear, and we often forget that those are the very things God may be trying to strip when hard times come our way. Friend, what we remember is, and what Paul is telling us, is that the work of the gospel in our lives is such that when we're in community, when we send people out, we are reminding ourselves that this is how it's always going to be. Wouldn't it be nice if heaven on earth was like every day? That everywhere you walked, a street of gold walked in front of you. That everywhere you went, you were swinging on pearly gates. That everywhere you went, it was all hunky-dory. Oh boy, even Mayberry didn't have that. Wherever you go, Christian, if you're really walking with Christ, it's going to be difficult. Embrace it. Acknowledge it. Accept it. Be willing to walk through it, but don't do it alone. Paul had Timothy. He had his church. He missed the Thessalonians. He wanted to know how they were doing in their suffering. But wherever it goes, you need to remember that God has called the work of the gospel to go forth. Secondly, second part of verse 3, the work of the gospel places believers in harm's way. It places believers in harm's way. Look at verse 3. I want you to underline this if you're an underliner. He says here, he says that you would not be moved by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we were destined for this. We were destined for this. What does it mean you were destined for this? It means exactly what it says it means. It means this is your lot in life. This is God's plan for you. Matthew 24, Jesus said, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake, and many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. There is a difficulty as you live out this life. Why do you need community? You need it because you need to identify with other people who are going through it. Now, look, I'm on Facebook groups. You know I'm a runner. I have all these Facebook running groups, and we always post all our statistics on Facebook running groups because no one really cares that I went out and ran however many miles in the morning. Unless you get attacked by an owl, then it's all the funny, all the more. Or a coyote. Those are fun stories. But at the end of the day, no one really cares about what you did in the morning when you went running. But you all have groups like that. You have places you go that identify with your interests. But this is more than that. When you're a Christian, you need to know that other Christians are going through it with you. Don't you? I mean, isn't it nice to know that people in China are serving the same God and undergoing the same persecution you are here for your faith in the same way that perhaps you are wherever you are doing that? And that's encouragement, because you need to know this is what God has for you. Well, why doesn't God just take me to heaven now? That's a great question. I don't know. But he's put you here until such a time. Whatever it is, embrace it. And church, let me speak wide to us all. As we stand faithfully on God's word, the tide is going to turn. It is turning. There's a big church out west, and I texted a few of our men yesterday, and I won't say the name publicly, although it's out there publicly, that, that it, it claims the name of our denomination and claims the name of the Bible, that all of a sudden started doing things the Bible says you shouldn't be doing. But in the name of Jesus, we're going to do it. Be careful. The more you stand for Christ, the more it will come. God has destined, predestined, planned, providentially, sovereignly, whatever word you want to throw at it, has made it for you to suffer as a Christian. Are you sure you want to be in this life? This is it. But we're in America, we don't suffer as much. Guys, you will. You have, and you are going to for Christ. Are we willing to count the cost? 
But there's encouragement here. Did you notice what he said? There's encouragement in God's revelation. Look down at verse 4. He tells you that he says he, he kept telling them beforehand. So you've been told. So when hard times come, you know it's coming. I don't know about you, but it, I'm one of those people that likes to know what's coming beforehand. Don't you know that? Some of y'all are like, some of y'all just live by the seat of your pants and you just go with the flow. But Paul tells them here, I told you what was coming. I told you this was coming. You should not be surprised. If you are a Christian and you suffer for your faith, this should not take you aback. It should be confirmation that perhaps you're on the right path. Peter said, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you, but rejoice though insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory in God rests upon you. Why is it necessary to be in community at a church? It's necessary because you need other people who can look at you and say, I get you, I understand, I, I know. I told my family member about this, and man, they, whew, they didn't want to hear anything about Jesus, or, or, or my grown child has gone this way, and, and, and they know about Jesus, or man, uh, my teacher, my son's teacher at school is really this way, and, and I just can't see how they don't see it this way. Friends, this world is messed up, isn't it? But we have a God who tells us we're to live our faith out in this messed up world. And the encouragement is, he told us it's coming beforehand. Every person who's lived a godly life in Christ Jesus has been persecuted. Embrace it. But wasn't there that smiley preacher from Texas? Patsy, I put this in my notes. <laughs> wasn't there that smiley preacher from Texas? Who, who told you that your best life is now? Yeah, he did. Friends, your best life is the moment that you repented of your sins and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and said, I don't deserve this, but you're mine. There was a party in heaven that the former Houston Rockets Arena could never rock out to the point that the angels in heaven can the moment one sinner does. Your best life is not now. And friend, you, the work of the gospel puts you in harm's way put you in harm's way. What is the purpose of it? Well, he tells you we were to suffer affliction. The purpose of it is to strip you of you, to strip us of us, to strip us of everything inside of us so he may reign supreme, Christ may reign supreme. That's what it's about. And I'm telling you, it's coming. It's here. Friends, this pandemic has only strengthened the resolve of those outside the faith and please hear me clearly, it is easy to wax and wane up here from the pulpit and, and tell you how bad it is out there. I, I'm not saying the, the world is ending tomorrow. Please don't hear that. But I want you to know that this culture is not turning any more godly. I want you to know this nation is not turning back to God. We pray they do. Turn on the news. I don't have to fill any blanks for you. I think you understand. In our city, young men are shooting young men every other day. Come on now. Christian, if we're going to live for Jesus Christ, you need to know that this is what is going to happen. When you stand for Jesus, when you make a stand and say, I want nothing but him and him crucified, people are going to get mad at you. You're going to lose friends. It's going to cost you. 
it's going to mean something directly against you that you may not like. And I'm telling you, that is what Christians are called to do. I'm going to say it again. Don't be a jerk for Jesus. Don't drum up your own persecution. But if persecution genuinely comes for your faith, then you need to know that is okay. That's what you've been destined for. Hang tight. But guess what? He will hold me fast. We just sang about that. When Daniel and his friends were in the fire, actually, his friends were in the fire. Who was the fourth man walking amongst them? It was the Lord himself, wasn't it? When Joseph was in the prison and he was wondering, how, how in tarnation did I get here? Is that a word, tarnation? It sure is in my book. How did I get here? God said in Genesis 50, 20, he spoke later through Joseph's mouth. He said, what they meant for evil, I meant for good, for the saving of many people. The psalmist said in our opening, it was good for me to be afflicted that I might learn your decrees. But friends, I want you to know, you have to know this is your life. Has that been made clear? So what's this mean? The world is going to hate every Christian. It's never going to be your friend. The world hates you because it hates Jesus. The world is not your friend and have you shied away from the things of Christ for fear of harm? I mean, that's a real question I have for you. Look, it's going to cost you something to walk this path. I've told Lane this several times, and he hasn't run away yet, so he's still here. So I'll take that as for what it is. We've walked through some hard situations uh, in, in church ministry this year, and, in a, you know, and we, we let Lane have an ear to that to learn. And I've looked at him on Facebook in my phone and said, Lane, hey Siri, tell Lane, count the cost. Hey, Siri, tell Lane to count the cost because this is what's coming for him. Christian, count the cost. I'm going to end it right there. I knew I would not make it through much because I want you to get this. In America, we've been so blessed with prosperity, with protection, and praise God for our nation. Amen. We live in the best country the world has probably ever known. Despite its warts and worries, we live in a great nation, guys. We do. But if we are going to be countercultural as a church and as Christians, we have to know it's going to cost us. I don't know what that looks like for you. For some of you who have grown children, it may be that, that, that you may not get to see grandkids or, or you know, family extension members. For some of you, it may be your job. For some of you, it may be ridicule on social media. Go home. You want to try an experiment out? You ready? For those of you who have Facebook, we can do it all together so we can suffer together, right? Go home and put John 14, 6 on your Facebook. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me and say only those who believe in Jesus will go to heaven. Grab your popcorn and wait. I'm serious. Do this together. And I'm not saying drum up persecution. But what I'm telling you is, is that putting that message out there is going to mean something against you. People are going to say, I don't want to be friends with that person. How, how can they say Muslims, Buddhists, Jews, anyone who doesn't claim the name of Christ will go to hell? Because Jesus said that, that's why. And friends, that's what the Christian life is about. And we need each other to stand together in those times because, friends, we're going to lose each other if we don't get back together. We have to stay together. There are so many churches right now who are pandering to the culture, they're pandering to the, the society, and they're letting the truth slide. 
We need to be graceful. We should be the most graceful, loving, humble people the world has ever known. But by cracky, we're going to stand with the truth. And it's going to cost us. But guess what? That's what we're called to do. Tyra, you pray in the days ahead. We want to see Grace more. We want to see Maple Park. We want to see this neighborhood transformed for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it takes us doing this. Don't let side issues deter us from meeting the very goal we've been called to do. In community, suffering together, because we want the world to know there's one name under heaven by which we are saved, and his name is what? It's Jesus Christ. I'm going to close right there. We got through two of six points. Amen? <laughs> Lane, I don't know if you or Nelson's preaching over 4th of July, but you might be preaching chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians at this rate. We'll get there. Guys, we love you. I plan to make less notes today because this has been on my mind and my heart, but it's been in the Word. We love you all so much, but we want to see this church closer than ever before because that's the only way we're going to walk through these days together. Let's pray. And then I'll invite Craig's crew back up this way. Let's pray together, guys. Father, if the Apostle Paul can tell us that he, he missed other Christians, how much more should we if he was willing to send out others to remind them of what they're called to, how much more should we? Father, if you reminded Paul to the Thessalonian Christians that the work of the gospel is here and abroad and the work of the gospel costs, how much more should we? Father, forgive us, forgive me, forgive our leadership, forgive our time here if we have uh, waffled in that at any place. Father, we desire to be a church that is open to all, that people are, feel welcome in, and, and they should, Lord, because this is where the gospel is preached. But Lord, forgive us if we have allowed anything else to take priority against the things that the Scripture tells us to. Father, forgive us for times where we've allowed self to get in the place of caring for one another. Father, forgive us of the times where we've taken what we think is best and not sought what you have said is best in your word. Father, those are general prayers. You know any specifics that lies within those lines, between those lines. But Father, we thank you for grace. We thank you that in Christ we are forgiven. We thank you that in Christ we have everything we need. But Father, I pray that you draw us together closer. We know we need to be sensible and safe in these days. Yes, Lord, for sure. But Father, let us not let things keep us apart. But Father, may you deepen even more so in any years gone by, this community of believers, young and old, married, unmarried, widowed, widowers, whatever the case is. For Father, if we want to be the church that you've called us to be, that's what it's going to take. We know suffering abounds, both because of the gospel of Christ and Lord, because of your, your sovereign hand bringing it almost in a Job-like fashion at times. But Father, together, may we rejoice with those who rejoice. May we weep with those who weep. May we cry with those who cry. May we, may we do all the things the Beatitudes talk about. But Father, that's what we're called to do. Thank you for this unique fellowship you called us to. Lord, it's because of Christ we are one. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. We pray all these things today in Jesus' name. Amen.